You're listening to Upstate HR, the HR podcast for non-HR businesses in Upstate New York. Today, we first get to hear from Dan Morey, who we interviewed live at the Herat Conference at Corning Community College. And then we talk about engaging and attracting millennials based on some of the points that Dan brought up in his interview. Thanks for listening. Upstate HR is brought to you by Labor Love. For only $8 a month, you'll receive a new labor law poster automatically every time there's an update. With Labor Love, you'll never have to worry about poster compliance again. Visit laborlove.co for details. Labor Love, love what you do, leave the labor to us. And by Burr Consulting, LLC. In today's world of ever-changing and evolving labor and employment law, payroll processes, employee relation issues, and the complexity of a work-life balance we all face, understanding and addressing these issues can create multiple challenges in legal liability. Burr Consulting offers you affordable human resources consulting for both profit and not-for-profit organizations. Visit burrconsultingllc.com today. Strategically aligning HR as a partner for the success of your business. Now let's get started. We begin today's podcast with a live interview from the Herat Conference at Corning Community College with owner of Employment Solutions, Dan Morey, who is talking about attracting and engaging millennials. So... One of the biggest challenges with companies today is always around this hot topic of millennials. And they would say, how do we attract millennials? How do we you know, engage more millennials? How do we retain the millennials? And two major tips that I have is, first and foremost, stop calling them millennials. Uh, like any group out there, they generally hate to be generalized or marginalized or stereotyped. And I think any group that has a an overused stereotype feels offended and so don't the millennials it applies to them too so uh, you know don't subcategorize them into a group called millennials and try to stereotype them the second piece is that right now specifically related to the hourly workforce according to Gallup 80% of the hourly workforce is the millennials and we saw this coming because we know that by 2020 they'll make up 50% of the workforce so that's right on track with where they're where they should be the biggest challenge that companies have or that they're not adopting is the technology piece. Millennials, or that group that we call the millennials, are way more, have a higher affinity for technology and they expect employers to meet them where they're at. And the old school recruiting techniques or the old school attraction techniques are the way to engage with employees like paper applications or even on website applications or requiring people to come in and fill an application out. You're missing the mark. You really, you need to figure out a way to meet your audience where they're at. And Sean, you've heard me say this for years, is that if you really want to attract the best talent, it's about really effective marketing and understand the message that your audience needs to hear and then determine the appropriate medium to get them. And uh, if you are an organization that wants to attract that group, you need to focus on marketing and attracting them and meet them where they're at and update your the way that you normally attract people and the way that you engage with your recruits. Yeah, and that goes beyond even the 
you know, the job descriptions and, and you know, we talk a lot about um, on the podcast about how, um, you know, you can change some of the regulations uh, so that they're, you, you give a better work-life balance, for example. Um, and those types of things certainly attract a younger workforce, but to get them even in the door in the first place is the point you're making. You've got to get where they're looking. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another thing. And I know from a marketing standpoint, SEO is kind of nearing its its life cycle anyway. However, that's a, there's still time left to capitalize on search engine optimization for job descriptions. You know, we advise companies all the time that they should have a really thorough job description for internal consumption that can be used as a training and onboarding document to clearly direct people as to what their role is and how they're supposed to conduct that role. But then there should be kind of a light version that you use to post it online. And that version should be certainly looked over by a marketing specialist to understand what are the keywords that that target audience is actually searching for. Yep. You know, some people might not actually search for machinist. You know, they might actually have a different, you know, vernacular for the jobs they're looking for. So you need to understand the target audience that you're trying to recruit. How do they describe your job? What words are they using? And that needs to be kind of peppered throughout the job description so they can find it when they're Googling jobs in their respective city. So. Yeah, yeah, great advice. Um, I should have started with this, but tell us who you are and who you're representing here. So I'm Dan Moore. I'm the president with Employment Solutions. And... I represent my company, but I certainly represent the HR community, and it's a, it's great to be a part of the Herat Conference and what they're doing for, it looked like 60 or 70 HR professionals in there, so it's a good turnout with a lot of vendor support, so I represent this community. Awesome. So there's, uh, there's the ghost Dan Mori, uh, someone that we always love to hear from and yes. don't hear from enough, um, and uh, you know, as you heard, he was at the last uh, Herat conference, which was held at Corning Community College way back in October of 2017. Um, but uh, we got some great points from Dan, as we always do. He was a speaker last year um, at one of the Herat meetings. And um, today he decided to, or at the conference, he decided to chat about how to engage and attract millennials. And the first point that he made was not to call them millennials. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more with that, that point that he made. And I know, uh, Megan, you and I were just chatting before we started recording. You kind of feel the same way. Yeah, it, it makes me crazy. Um, yeah. and, and I don't, again, I don't know if it's because of sort of where I'm at yeah. in my career that I feel like maybe overgeneralizing every single person within a certain age group is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... It's particularly frustrating when you, I think when you're recruiting and when you're in a position to be recruiting and you're working with all different types of generations and you're seeing all different types of different people. Um, and then it constantly comes back to this conversation about what millennials are like. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why millennials are a hot button topic right now is because there are so many of us in the workforce mm -hmm. um, or entering the workforce or, or, you know, getting into higher level positions mm -hmm. in the workforce. Um, but also because I think this is one of the first times when we've had the ability to spread data about a group as quickly as we have. Yeah. Um, and so everybody feels like they know yeah. something about the millennial generation. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those things aren't posed positively. No, and that's, I mean, I think the point that he's making is not that you can't use the term millennial to define an age range because we've used a term for an age range for a long time. But the difference is 
when people talk about baby boomers, you typically hear about statistics and data. There are so many baby boomers in the workforce and the age that they're coming to now affects certain industries. And that's an interesting conversation. That's not to comment on the attitude of baby boomers. And I'm sure there are people out there who do that, but that's not really what's part of like the big conversation. The big conversation around millennials tends to be exactly what you just described, which is how they're ruining everything and how they're lazy and they have no attention span. Um, and so I think the generation of millennials, of which I'm right on the cusp, um, has gotten like a little bit annoyed. Like, okay, you, you've painted us into a corner, not because of our age, but because of all these things that are not necessarily true um, and make you kind of sound out of touch to a certain extent. So um, I appreciate the point of not, not calling them millennials because that's become like an eye roll, a, a source of an eye roll when you're like, well, millennials these days and, and you know, all of a sudden uh, people think, well, here we go, here we go again. So, good point, Dan. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, yeah, agree. I mean, I yeah. agree. I mean, I'm on the same thing. I'm, I guess, I'm uh, the start of the millennial generation, and, and uh, the way I view the world is much different than someone that might be ten or fifteen years, you know, uh, younger than me. Mm -hmm. Now, the students I'm teaching are, you know, that, you know, it's hard to say that, admit that, but at the same time, uh, the way they look at the world. The way the world's evolved since then is is totally different. You know, I've never worked in a you know, work environment without email. Yeah. And, and I think that we're just used to the the instant access to things and efficiency and, and not sitting in meetings and and all those things. And, and I you know I think people forget that the world is a lot more stressful as well for millennials. And you know we're starting out now in our you know in our adult lives with thirty to hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt when that wasn't even a thought back in the fifties, right. sixties and seventies. And you know, those are those are big, big things and responsibilities to take on when you're a twenty one or twenty two year old, you know, kid basically. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, people's gotta have a little more I don't know, I don't want to say respect, but a little more like, patience with millennials and the way things work too. So Yeah, I mean there's a lot of uh, comparative data out there about how you know, um, someone in the 60s and 70s making minimum wage, um, working full time can support uh, a family. Um, and today, you know, one person working full time on minimum wage can barely support themselves. Right. And so, uh, let alone paying off student right. loans and, and other debt. So, um, you know, it's, it starts to find its way into other conversations, of course, but uh, as a generation, you know, they're, they're behind the eight ball. Yeah, definitely. So it's good. Yeah. And I, I recently saw an article, too. I think this is something that comes up when we have conversations about millennials. I recently saw an article that pointed out the fact that your youngest millennial is an adult. And I think sometimes there's yeah. this connotation that comes from the millennial conversation that it's these young kids. And in reality... We're not young kids. Right. Um, we're actually all, for the most part, gainfully employed adults who are just trying really hard to work with what we have. Yeah. Um, which is very different from what we, what our, you know, predecessors had in and, the past. So. And that brings us right into the second point that Dan made, which is that eighty percent of the current hourly workforce are millennials. Um, yes. And you added to that, Matt, 
the, uh, something about 50% by the year 2025? That's the way that statistics are going to show okay. uh, with the baby boomers and other generations starting to retire that the 50% of the workforce will be uh, millennials by 2025. So that's only, what, seven years away? Yes, and that's the whole workforce, not right, just the hourly workforce. Seven years goes by pretty fast in this in our, in the society oh, today. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Generation yeah. Z is entering the workforce now. Yes. Um, because they're, you know, graduating high school here in the next year or two. So, like, they're just getting into the workforce, but it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the conversation as well. Yeah, so if you're a small business listening to this or a huge business listening to this, um, now is the time, well, years ago was the time to start thinking about um, the other points that Dan made about recruitment, um, about marketing and search engine optimization, um, but basically reaching this younger generation um, uh, in the places where they're looking for jobs. Um, if if you, you put a timeline on it and you've got seven years until 50% of the entire workforce is millennial, then, uh, and you're not already using um, uh, the words and phrases by which they're searching for jobs and optimizing your searches for that, um, now is the time to do that for sure. Right. Um, what are some of the ways that, that uh, the newer ways, I guess, that technology is being used for recruitment? Uh, this, I know, can be its own episode, but just briefly. Apps. Yeah. Apps are a huge part of it. Um, Facebook has their own jobs app. LinkedIn has their own jobs app. The ability to use one thumb while you're on your commute to apply for a job yep. is changing the way that recruitment is done. Cool. Um, and, and possibly for the better. Um, at least it shows you, you know, as an HR professional, it shows you that initial interest, mm -hmm. and then you can have a conversation from there if you're interested. Right. Um, and I think most people who use that kind of technology regularly understand that they're just putting it out there. Um, so there's not as much of a commitment to, you know, sit on the phone with someone for half an hour, have this long-winded conversation, only to find out that they're not interested in what you're offering and you're not interested in them. Yeah. So it, I think it's going to speed up the process, but I think more businesses have to actually embrace that. Yeah, yeah. And I think another thing to add on to that, not just the app side, but the recruitment process in general. And I, I see a lot of organizations, you know, especially in this area, struggle with it. Is you can't have a recruitment process take thirty days, sixty days, six months. I mean, mm -hmm. I've had rejection letters after eighteen months. I don't remember what job I applied for, right? Yeah. So those things, I mean, you, you, you've got to have an efficient process, a process that communicates feedback to people because it's a competitive landscape. I can go down the road and make more money with, with working for your competitor, and I think people think like that. There isn't the, the quote-unquote loyalty like you had with the IBMs and the Corning Inks back in the, you know, the heyday of pensions and things like that. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And in order to pull people in, you've got to, you've got to adjust your processes you know, be efficient and, and professional and, and uh, you know, follow it consistently, so. Yeah, and I can say from the marketing perspective to, if you can, include your marketing department in recruitment because um, chances are they're already running ads for your business or they've already thought about ways that your business can reach its customers. Um, well, you want your brand to reflect the fact that you're a fun place to work as well, not just a cool place to buy stuff from. And so if your brand uh, embraces the culture inside of your company, you can communicate that using the right marketing team. Um, and not to mention, you know, using the correct 
phrases um, and, and describing the jobs that are available in a way that doesn't sound boring and laborious, but in a way that sounds enticing and um, gets you know younger people excited about about the work. So. You've got to utilize word of mouth too. I mean, marketing yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. You know, social media and apps. You know, if you if your employees are happy, they're going to want people they know working with them because it's a satisfying job. It's a nice environment and. And you've got to create that culture. It comes down to culture as well. You know, if you're running a 60, 70, 80% turnover, there's probably an issue with your, your culture. I mean, yeah. it could come down to pay, which is part of it, but culture and management will drive people out faster than pay will. Mm-hmm. So. And requiring, I started to build on what Matt said, requiring some additional communication. I think that's something that's a generalization about millennials that's not always incorrect right. because we have so much instantaneous access we expect a response. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be anything special. Just let us know that we're still in the process. Yeah. Let us know what's happening. Yeah. Um, so some of that transparency, I think, is extremely important. And and the word of mouth factor is part of that, I yeah. think. You yeah. know, be transparent about what your culture's like. Be transparent about what the job is really like. And also communicate with people where they are in the process and what they're doing while they're there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that, I mean that's the biggest thing I see people with is, is that they, you know, do an interview and then there's no follow-up for three weeks. They're not waiting around. They're not. They're not going to wait around for a job. And, yeah. and you've got to be able to keep them in the process. With the seven-step process, which I've seen, people don't have the patience for that anymore. Yeah. You know. They, you know. They got bills to pay. There's a competitor down the street paying just as much, offering the same job. They're going to go down the street if they can get a job tomorrow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, communication is big, uh, and follow-up. So. For sure. Well, we. Uh, said that the first point was not to call them millennials, and then we called them millennials the whole rest of the episode. So, uh, sure. Nice work. Yep. Thanks for the advice, Dan. We're not following it at all. Yeah, for thanks, sure. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Upstate HR podcast. If you have any ideas on the topics we should cover, send us an email at ideas at upstatehrpodcast.com. Tell your friends and coworkers to subscribe in the iTunes podcast store. And thank you for listening.